I think the important thing in starting any community is playing the long game. Everybody wants to rush, right? They want 100 people in their community, 1,000 people in their community, 100,000 people in their community, and they want it right now. And they overestimate what they can do in, let's say, six months or a year, but they underestimate how big and how great that community could be if they played the long game and were consistent for three or four or five years. And it's always that long game that is going to pay off. Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Chris Harder Show, where we absolutely believe that both prosperity and generosity can and must coexist. Today, we're talking about community. Uh, it's another one of these clips that was taken from when I was being interviewed by Danny Hoffelman in one of his 20 questions series. And I just thought you guys would love to hear my perspective on some of these questions around building both an online community and an in-person community. As a matter of fact, you're going to kind of hear in this episode, I am of the belief that you have to be building both right now. No longer does one or the other suffice, but you have to be building both in person and online simultaneously. And I give you a lot of good tips how to do that. Now we're doing that. We continue to like, you know, uh, make our brand tangible and make ourselves accessible for those that want our help in the ways that fit into our schedule. We've done that with the round table, which is 48 hours of the most impactful collaboration with 14 other entrepreneurs you'll ever have in your life. It's like an entire year's mastermind packed into 48 hours. You're going to love it. I can't believe the relationships that have been made at it. I can't believe the breakthroughs that have been had at it. Trust me. Matter of fact, don't trust me. Go stalk my social media and see some of the testimonials or go right to the website. You can check that out at chrisharder.me forward slash roundtable or just text me the word roundtable to 310-421-0416, and I'll put you on the early access VIP list. Again, go to chrisharder.me forward slash roundtable, or just text me the word roundtable to 310-421-0416. Okay, here we go. Building community. It's everything, you guys. So listen up, take some notes, and let's make the world a better place together. You've seen a lot of people try to start communities. Is there any step that you see people trying to skip over to just get rolling? I think the important thing in starting any community is playing the long game. Everybody wants to rush, right? They want 100 people in their community, 1,000 people in their community, 100,000 people in their community, and they want it right now. And they overestimate what they can do in, let's say, six months or a year but they underestimate how big and how great that community could be if they played the long game and were consistent for three or four or five years. And it's always that long game that is going to pay off. I don't care in building a community and building a business and building friendships and building relationships, that long game is 
always going to be what you want to concentrate on in life. It'll always pay dividends. But when you're trying to do something too quick and when you're trying to do something for the wrong reasons, that's usually when you're going to get disappointing results. And I know it's not always a a science, but do you have a general rule that you encourage people to keep adding value before you actually ask your community for something? The longer that you can add value to your community before you have any kind of ask of them, the more valuable that community is going to be to you in the long run. Now, I want to be clear. There's some people that need to monetize their community right away. And that's okay if that is your current situation. But if you can play that longer game, if you do have the luxury of adding value and adding value and adding value for an extended period of time, months, years even, before you have a single ask of that community, then when you finally make that ask, law of reciprocity is going to be so tilted in your favor because you've been adding value for so long that whatever your ask is, people are going to come pouring in. And what do you think in right now, 2023, what are some of the best ways you're seeing people build communities? Everybody wants to build that online community because it's cost efficient and it's fast. The hack that I'm seeing work right now is if you're willing to get up, put your butt on an airplane or get in the car and go out to the hot spots where your community already is, that might mean locally, but it also might mean in other states. If you're willing to do that on a regular basis, go to them, show them that you care about them, create opportunities for them to gather in person, but where they don't have to make the trek across the country, then that's going to be one of your shortcuts to building a more valuable, more tangible community. Because most people aren't willing to invest the time and energy and a little bit of money into organizing those and going out to where their fans and their community actually is. Is there anything that you see people do? Like you have a great community. People are super connected within it. What's the biggest mistake you see people do as they're trying to enter a new community that isn't theirs? If I was to show up to the, you know, let's say the elite masterminder around table, what do you think is something that hurts people when they show up to uh, those? I got it. So the other side of a community is the participants, right? When you're a participant in a community, this means if you're showing up to an event or a mastermind or a gathering of some sort, a lot of times you can put too much pressure on what you're going to get out of going to that community. Now, there's a very fine line. There's a balance that you have to strike between being proactive and making new relationships and adding value to people and being over the top where you come on way too strong or you make too many asks and your Mr. or Mrs. like over connector. People can sense that energy. They know that guy, they know that gal who goes into the room and they are just over the top trying to connect with everybody. Be in the middle somewhere. Be the person who goes in with authenticity, with a genuine desire to connect with the right people in that opportunity, not every person in that opportunity. But then the inverse is true as well. Make sure that you're not a fly on the wall. I'm an introvert, so I know what it's like to hide. I know what it's like to keep your head down. I know what it's like to to not initiate the conversations. But you also, if that's you, and I'm speaking to you right now, then it's your responsibility to strike up a few more conversations than you would have normally, to say hi or smile first when normally you would have waited for somebody else to. Because the little bit of outgoingness, a little bit of proactiveness is going to go a long way 
into making sure you get value when you invest in going to a community or an event or a mastermind or something like that. What do you think makes a community valuable? Like when you're seeking out mentorship and communities at your level, what do you look for in a community? You know, any single time that I go into a community, I want to make sure that there are like-minded individuals in there. I want to make sure that there are people who are not just talkers, but action takers. I want to make sure that there's people who have, who have accomplished as much as I've accomplished, if not more. I mean, the truth is this. You want to wake up and find yourself in communities and at events that intimidate you. I know the easy thing to do is to go be the big fish in a small pond and feel valuable. But the most important thing that you can do is to put yourself in those bigger, more intimidating communities, to put yourself in the rooms where you don't feel like you're the smartest person or heck, you may not even feel like you belong in that room at all. Every time I've done that, I've come out of those rooms with brand new relationships, brand new ideas, a ton more value than if I just go into a room where I'm the guy sharing all the ideas. When you go into those rooms and you have that imposter syndrome, what do you do to get past that? How do you deal with imposter syndrome? It's funny. I think imposter syndrome never goes away because if you're really driven, that means you're always moving the finish line. If you're always moving the finish line, that means that you're never quite getting there, even though you really are. And that creates the illusion to ourselves that we're not good enough or we haven't done enough or we're not deserving. And everybody from my most successful celebrity friends all the way down to the brand new entrepreneurs that I talk to, everybody has imposter syndrome at some level or another. It's not something that you should work on. How do I get over this? It's something you should work on. How do I handle it? So some of the best ways that you can handle imposter syndrome is to quickly, before you step into the room or you step on that podcast or you step into that community, you know, take inventory of what makes you special. Even write it down if you have to. Do a five-minute writing exercise. Here's all the things I've accomplished. Here's all the value that I like to add. Here's all the reasons why I belong here. Because oftentimes in life, we don't take a time out to sit and take inventory on all the, the great things that we've done and why we do have value to add. So do that writing exercise or do that five-minute meditation, reflecting on all of the value that you bring. Then step into that room with the confidence knowing that you have value, but also with detachment to any kind of outcome. I think imposter syndrome comes often when we are attached to some kind of outcome. We have to meet this one person. We have to get this one partnership. We got to strike this one deal or get this one customer. And the pressure of that can sometimes make us feel like, oh God, what if it doesn't work? What if we're not good enough? The fact is you are good enough. Go into everything with the correct intentions. Don't be attached to a certain outcome or the way that it has to get there. Just be attached to creating new relationships, adding value to other people, and knowing that somewhere down the road, if you do that consistently enough, then that value is going to be returned to you in multiple fold. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.